Hey everybody and welcome back to Steve's NRL Footy Tips for Round 20. I'm your host, Stephen Westway. We are only one month away from the start of the NRL Finals for 2022. And if you want a different opinion from all those in the media and you know just want to listen to someone that loves the game and is a fan of the game, consider giving Steve's NRL Footy Tips a try, leading all the way up to the Grand Final. I've got you covered. We're going to talk every game. I'm going to give my predictions, my thoughts on what's happening in the World of Rugby League and Obviously, this week, we've had some uh, some controversy uh, over the last few days, starting with the Cowboys and Tigers game, where the Tigers were absolutely robbed. It was probably the worst decision I've ever seen in my life. I can't remember a worse decision being made, but if you guys somehow haven't heard, the Tigers were ahead of, uh, in that game in the dying moments after in the dying minutes after a good performance by the Tigers. They were up by seven. The Tigers scored two late, unconverted Tries in Jane Tamo's 300th game and took a one-point lead with one second left on the clock. So the Cowboys had a kickoff. Um, they had to get the ball back and somehow score points to win the game. They kick it off, and uh, Kyle Felt claims he's taken out when he runs into the back of a Tigers player. And it was an outrageous call, one of the worst I've ever seen. The Cowboys were allowed to have a captain's challenge, even though the full, uh, full-time siren had been seeunded. And it's just been a shit show, to be honest, ever since the referee's boss, Graham Ennisley, said the challenge should have been allowed, but he disagreed with the call being made and that the bunker got it wrong, and Ashley Klein was up there that day, and it was an awful, awful decision. There was no way that Cole felt was impeded. He ran intentionally and fell in the back of the Tigers player to try to get the penalty. He completely milked it. And in this crazy world of rugby league, somehow it was called a penalty. The Cowboys kicked the two points, and they win the game of football. It was an outrageous decision. It could guarantee the Cowboys' second spot on the Telstra ladder and give them that home final up in Townsville, which could be massive in terms of calculations for the 2022 season, it could also result in the West Tigers getting the wooden spoon. So there's massive ramifications coming out of that call. It really put a bit of a downer on a really good weekend of football. I mean, in round 19, we saw a great performance by the Rabbitohs and the Melbourne Storm losing four games in a row. The Rabbitohs were impressive. The Broncos impressive for a big win over the Eels. Um, and the Panthers and Cronulla had a, a good encounter. Cronulla really gave it to Penrith early before Penrith proved their class near the end of their game. So it was a really good weekend of football, but it's just a shame that all the headlines have been about this, that incident, and the other incident that has occurred yesterday, and that's when Manly, the Manly Seagulls announced Monday morning that they're going to have a uh, inclusive jersey worn this week for Round 20, um, which supports the LGBT community for women of Rugby League Round. It is Women League Round this week. Which is weird timing considering, you know, it is uh, focused on, on women and their con- contribution to this great game and it's a massive contribution, but merely wanted to have their agenda to, to have that focus this week and they did so without consulting any of the, the playing group or the coaching staff and as a result, seven mainly players are refusing to play on the weekend, citing cultural and religious region, reasons and... You know, I think it's a massive oversight by the Manly Seagulls organisation to announce this jersey and not have these conversations behind closed doors. Obviously, it's a very political thing, and to not even consult with your players. And, you know, you are the club. You would know, you'd think that there'd be some dialogue there, that you'd know the, the roster that you've assembled and the players that are going out and playing the game 
on Thursday night and what their religious beliefs are. So um, for them to kind of announce this jersey without consulting any of those players, I think is reckless and an oversight on their on their um, regard. But they did it for a good reason. It was done for the best intentions and to really, you know, highlight that we want rugby league to be an inclusive space. We want, you know, people from all walks and all, um, I guess, every political view and every walk of life to enjoy the game of rugby league and be fans of our great sport. But I think Manly went the wrong way about it. And I think that, to be honest, the religious aspect I can definitely get behind in terms of why players don't want to play. But they're getting paid hundreds of thousands of dollars a year it's just a jersey. I can understand people, players sticking up for their beliefs, but at the end of the day, if you're getting paid, you know, how many people would kill to be getting paid more than half a million dollars a year to play our great game on such a, you know, world kind of scale? So to refuse it just because of the rainbow, which, you know, I know it means more than that, but at the end of the day, just because you wear the jersey doesn't mean you have to believe in what it's representative. Representing, I know there's plenty of rugby league players that don't believe in gambling and, all the other sponsors that are on the jerseys. So I just feel like, you know, it's been, I guess, I, in my opinion, and again, I'm not trying to disrespect what the players believe in any shape or form, but I just, from my point of view, I just feel like this whole thing's been overblown and it couldn't happen at a worse cl- time for the Manly Club because if I'm Des Hasler, I'm fuming because it is an eight versus ninth battle on Thursday night between the Roosters and Manly. Manly got seven players out, and they've named a team, which we'll get into shortly, but it's a team with some unknown players, especially um, on the outside edges for Manly, that could potentially cost them a final spot in 2022. This is such a crucial game against the Roosters in relation to Manly season. Um, After this game, they've got a tough run coming up as well, so that could be two points out of the eight with, you know, nowhere near as good a for and against as the, the Roosters team that would beat them if they lose this week have. So it could be a death blow to their season. It's just unfortunate that all this has happened now. And if I'm Des Hasler, I'm fuming because, as I mentioned, you're trying to build something. You've been building to this moment of your season all year. You're trying to get your best players on the field. And last week against the Dragons, they lost that game and they had some players out due to COVID. Now this week, it's a different issue. You're just trying to get your best team on the field to win those games of football so you can be there come September. So everything you built the whole season, the whole 2022, the end of 2021, with all those, you know, training camps and preseason focuses, you just want that all to to come at this point in the year. And the fact that Des Hazlitt for now the second week in a row won't have anywhere near his full strength um, players contingency to choose from is very disappointing um, in terms of the Manly Club and as a spectacle of the game itself because the Roosters Manly on Thursday night, I was really excited for it. It was going to be built up as a big battle between eighth and ninth and I guess now you're going to have the Roosters be overwhelming favourites and most likely going to win that game and, you know, move further to suspending their spot in the top eight. So pretty disappointing, I guess, uh, from, you know, rugby league fans' point of view, how this has all been, you know, blown out of proportion, so to speak. And especially if you're a Manly fan who's been following this team every year, you go to every home game to see that your season could end because this whole debacle is very disappointing. And it's poor timing from the Manly club the Manly's promotional team. It's, as I said, conversations that should have happened behind closed doors, and it's just not good enough in 2022 all around because, as I mentioned, even if you don't believe and you know your culture and your religion says you shouldn't be playing, it, 
and that's fair enough. As I said, that's their players' choices. I'll debate that. I don't know if they should get paid for not playing this week, but at the same time, they do have a contract, but it's just a bad look. Anyway, you spin it for Manly and the whole of Rugby League that, you know, the message is there that we want to be inclusive, but obviously everything that's happened in the last 24 hours almost looks anything but, and Manly has the first open gay player in the history of Rugby League and Ian Roberts in that late 80s and 90s who played for the club and you know I just think it sends a poor message all around so you know I don't want to make this show political it's not something that I that I enjoy talking about I've got my you know we all have our own political opinions but it's something that I had to touch on to start the show this week and as I mentioned both of those incidences the incidents that in my opinion 100% cost the Tigers two points and this whole issue of Manly has really put the focus off the rugby league action that we're seeing on the field, which is a shame because we're starting to see some teams really get primed for a finals run to end the season. So that's my take on the on the two incidences that have you know caused a lot of controversy in the rugby league world this week. But as I mentioned, we are one month away from the start of the 2022 finals. I'm excited to preview the round 20 action today. I'm excited to get some more guests in before the end of the year, and I'm also excited to. And potentially, again, I'm not 100% decided it's ever going to happen at the end of this year or the start of the 2023 season, launch a YouTube page, which is just going to be an audio YouTube page, but it's going to have some exclusive content when it launches, and it could launch in the next few weeks. We'll see how we go. But as I mentioned, thanks, everybody, for always checking in on the show, and we're up to a really exciting part of the year. If you haven't, please like Steve's NRL Footy Tips on Facebook. Subscribe. Like and share the page wherever you guys listen to your favorite podcasts each and every week, whether it be Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Anchor, we're on everything. Leaving a review really helps to kind of get the show out to the masses. So if you guys could leave a review, share or like, or even subscribe wherever you guys listen to your podcast, anything that you do to help continue the growth of Steve's NRL Footy Tips is muchly appreciated. And I'm hoping I can continue to grow the podcast and the platforms as we move into the future of the show. So let's get into round 20 action. As I mentioned, it's going to start with that game that I was just talking about earlier, mainly Seagulls versus the Roosters. But there's plenty of big games that have massive finals ramifications coming your way this weekend. And the round 20 action kicks off on Thursday night from 7.50 when the obviously depleted mainly Seagulls take on the Sydney Roosters from Four Points Park. Up there in Brookvale, and I touched on it to open the show the manly controversy that's been, you know, pretty much the talking point in Australian sport for the last 24 hours has resulted in uh, Christian Tupanlua, Hemiol Olukawatu, Jason Saab, Josh Alloway, Josh Schuster, Sipley and Kola all sitting out this weekend. So manly have named a bit of a depleted team. They've named rookie wingers Seki and Alfred Smalley. They're going to be... Um, the outside backs for Manly this weekend. Changes include Dylan Walker playing in the centres with Morgan Harper. The halves and the fullback are intact. The whole spine is with Lachlan Croker coming back from injury as well. So that's a boost for Manly. But some younger players and some players that probably aren't, you know, don't have the experience starting long term in first grade, such as Kurt DeLewis, Ethan Bullimore, James Seguiaro, all back in action this weekend. Seguiaro plays his first game of NRL for three years since being banned for, I believe it was 12 or 18 months for being substance back in 2019. So as you can see, Manly are very depleted. They're versing a Roosters side that are, is business as usual, and they've probably just been 
looking at this controversy and, you know, getting more confident as the days goes by that they can make a late rally and try to get this 8th or 7th spot on the Telstra Premiership ladder and play finals football because for a while it looks like they're really going to struggle to get to September and... You know, I think they started to hit some form. It was a big win against the Dragons two weekends ago for the Roosters. They followed it up last week with a, uh, a pretty dominant win over the Newcastle Knights and one that you probably would expect considering, you know, the class of some of these Roosters' outfit. They did it without Joey Marner, who's back in action this week. Tedesco was enormous last weekend. It's good to see Luke Keary, you know, get some football in his legs after some terrible concussion luck that he's had over the last few years of football. So I think the Roosters are going to be up for this contest. Obviously, Manly going to be wearing their inclusive jerseys and they're just going to have to make the best from a bad situation, unfortunately, for all you Manly supporters. And as I mentioned to start the show, it could have massive ramifications and repercussions on Manly season because I think they're almost in must-win territory now. The good news, as I mentioned, their hearts are intact. Lachlan Croker and Jake Trojevic and Kepi are all back from their COVID isolation periods. So, I mean, I was really looking forward to this when I saw this one on the calendar before all the controversy. I hope it's still a good game of football, and I hope that um, some of those, some of the big players that are still playing for Manly, like Foran and Cherry Evans, can really lift their side and they can really put in a spirit of performance. But if you're Trent Robertson and the Roosters, you'd be stupid if you don't target some of these inexperienced campaigners out there. Those outside backs, in particular, the wingers, Secchi and Smalley, they both never played a game NRL. You look at the Roosters' outside backs, and you've got some of those damaging finishes and ball players in the competition, guys like Suwali, Tupo, Joseph, Manu. A lot of uh, defensive work is going to have to be... Um, on Manly's agenda if they're going to stop those guys and especially I think that's one of the reasons they probably put Dylan Walker who's you know more of a utility these days but he used to be a centre back there to try to cover the loss of some of these guys but you just got to expect that the Roosters are going to uh, you know send plenty of traffic down that way to Ali's just such an exciting young player to watch that I expect that they're going to be going uh, his side him and Montrosky's side plenty in the game and you know, we know what Joey Marnie can do and Daniel Tupo. They're season campaigners and they're two of the best uh, outside backs going around the competition at the moment. So I expect the Roosters to score plenty of points because of the disadvantage that Manly are going into this week with. And, you know, as I mentioned, it's just unfortunate because I was really looking forward to this game. I think the onus really for Manly is on their forward pack to really step up and take it to the Roosters early. If there are any chance in this contest, the likes of Paseca and the young Kurt De Lewis, uh, under the you know the more experienced heads of Davey and Jake Sorovich have a job ahead of them because you know Hargraves, Collins, Croydon, they're all experienced campaigners. Victor Radley, um, it's going to be a good battle between him and Jake Turbo. But Manly's only chance of getting over the top of the Roosters is to win that field. Uh, a battle early with the forwards and, and win that forward battle. And then hopefully, you know, Vaughan and Sherry Evans can have the games of their life and, and kick them out of trouble and, and get opportunities to some of these inexperienced outside backs so they can, you know, show what they're made of. So I expect the Roosters to be heavy winners, unfortunately, and it's just a bad situation all around for the Mealy Seagulls Club and for the NRO in general. It's a bad look I mentioned at the start, and I just think the Roosters will be way too strong to start the round. And considering they've got a tough run coming after this game, the Roosters, and, and so do Manly, 
it's going to be a very crucial two points that the Roosters most likely will pick up because of the controversy. I've got the Roosters by 16 against a Manly Seagull side that obviously their backs are against the wall this weekend. And Friday Night Football kicks off this weekend from Mount Smart Stadium for only the second time in three years when the New Zealand Warriors host the Melbourne Storm. Great to see the Warriors back at home once again. It's been a rare side, and, and I'm sure this will be another sellout. The Warriors had a spirited performance last Saturday afternoon. They were up 14-0 at halftime against the Canberra Raiders, who were a little bit off their game, but the Warriors were playing some expansive football, some of the best football we've probably seen the Warriors play all year. Unfortunately, in the second half, Canberra got their act together and ended up winning that game 26-14. to So we all know the Warriors are probably you know, looking forward to next year and kind of resetting and starting again under their new coach, Andrew Webster. A lot of departures as well. Who knows what the future of Sean Johnson will hold, but they are naming a very similar lineup this weekend. There's minimal changes. They're versing a Melbourne Storm side that this game is almost shaping up to be must-win for them. They now lost four games in a row. They lost to the Rabbitohs, so they've got an enormous um, you know, winning streak before this game against last weekend. And, you know, it's just one of these situations where they're not doing the, the little things, they're not doing the one percenters right, it's poor handling, simple mistakes, and they're just not, you know, backing each other in defence. And Craig Bellamy even said on Saturday night he doesn't know if Melbourne will be able to get over, uh, out of this hole. The last time they'd lost four in a row was 2012 when, when they also lost five in a row and they managed to pick themselves up and win the premiership this year well in my opinion they're a long way off this year they don't have the star power Cameron Munster and Jerome Hughes didn't really get much to work with their forward pack really got beaten soundly by the Rabbitohs in those opening exchanges last week and they got a little bit better as the game went on but the likes of the Bromwich brothers Kafusi and Big Nelson and Sofa Solomon, and I expect them to be a lot better. I expect them to step up this week and really make a statement against the Warriors side, as I mentioned, that are pretty much just going through the motion for the last month of the competition. Unfortunately for the Storm, though, as I mentioned, it doesn't get easy. They're still trying to get another fullback. I mean, he's done a really good job, and he's all season covering for Papa House, and he didn't have a good job last weekend, but... It's obvious that this isn't the dominant Melbourne side that we've seen in past seasons. And, you know, they're just down on luck, down on confidence. And, you know, in this game, you make your own luck. And that's by doing the simple things right. Their completion rate at 70% last weekend was better than previous weeks. But still not what we expect to see from the Melbourne club. And I expect a big response this week. Bellamy's going to light a fire under them. I think a lot of these guys are going to be put on notice, especially for some of their carries and uh, handling and defensive efforts and I expect them to come out firing Hughes and Munster as I mentioned they didn't get much to work with this weekend uh, last weekend I feel like they're going to be out to play this weekend I think both of them are going to have uh, barnstorming performances and I expect the Melbourne Storm to be big winners getting back on the winning streak they've got a couple of easy games the next two weeks before a huge clash against the Panther Panthers in round 22 so I expect a big response from Melbourne this week the Warriors, they actually have a really good record. Well, they did at one point, sorry. Had a really good record against the Storm, especially in New Zealand at one point. Melbourne have dominated these fixtures over the last five to ten years. However, I expect that trend to continue, and I think that uh, Melbourne are going to make a big statement. They're going to be winning this game, in my opinion, by about 30 points and really tell the rest of the rugby league we still got, uh, rest of the rugby league world that they've still got something to offer and can still be contenders in 2022 because... I think a lot of people, including myself, are seeing fundamental errors that we haven't seen the Melbourne Storm team or a Craig Bellamy team, for that matter, commit in a very, very long time. 
And the second game of Friday Night Football shapes up to be one of the games of the season from Combank Stadium at 7.55. The Parramatta Eels host the Penrith Panthers. And after 19 rounds, we've still only seen one team beat the Premiers, and that is the Parramatta Eels back in round nine. A lot's changed since then. The Panthers are eight points clear on top of the Telstra Premiership ladder. That is one of the biggest blowout leads between first and second place on any rugby league ladder I've seen in a very, very long time, maybe ever. And, um, you know, the Panthers are just rolling along. Unfortunately, this week, they finally got a couple of injury concerns. Stephen Crichton's out of this game due to the shot that he took from Dale Finucane, who Finucane will face the judiciary tonight in regards to that charge. But he's out um, due to that. And Jerome Luai has an MCL injury. He'll be out for four to six weeks, which, uh, you know, he'll be back, I'm sure, in time for finals. But that is a bit of a dampener for this Panthers side that's gone through the better part of two to three years without any major injury concerns. They're going to be at their best this weekend, Penrith, and you can just expect it because last weekend they were slow starters. I don't think they played a great brand of football, and Cronulla really took it to them early and put Penrith off their game a little bit. So I think that's a blueprint the Parramatta Eels can you know, emulate. Uh, the, obviously, the difference is doing it over 80 minutes, and Parramatta know how to beat Penrith, but Penrith really got their groove on in the second half and, you know, too classy, too composed, and, and took that game out due to constant pressure um, on the Cronulla Sharks goal line due to some Cronulla Sharks errors. I think that the Sharks shot themselves in the foot, and, you know, as I mentioned, they were on top in the first half, and fundamental errors that Penrith don't make, Cronulla did in that second half, and it came back to bite them, and, you know, I think Penrith had one eye on this match because... As I mentioned, they've only lost to one team this year, and it is the Parramatta Eels, who also beat them last year. So the Eels are a little bit of the bogey side for Penrith, and, you know, I just feel like it's going to be all guns blazing this weekend. Cleary's going to be playing his best football, and I think the forward pack's really going to aim up, which makes it good, make it a really long night for Parramatta, who we all know in this season and last, they've been the most inconsistent, and most unreliable team in the NRL. It was a terrible performance against the Broncos, who were really good last weekend, but they fell 36-14 last Thursday night. The week before that, they beat the Warriors, and then the week before that, they beat the Tigers, and the week before that, they lost the CF. So you can just tell they haven't won three in a row all year. That is so inconsistent, you never know what they're going to produce. Um, and it must be extremely frustrating to be a Parramatta Eels fan because... We know what they're capable of their best. They're capable of beating any team in the competition, including the Panthers. But since they haven't won three games in a row all season, you got to wonder, if they don't make the top four, do they have it in them to win four games in a row and take this premiership? And even if they do make the top four, they haven't won three games in a row this year. And that's what you need to do to win the premiership, even if you make the top four. So when it comes to you know the finals time. So, I mean, it's a big week for Parramatta. And it's a way for them to test and see where they're at in relation to the benchmark of this competition. They're still in that class, and don't worry. I expect this match to have a big match feel. These two clubs have plenty of history against each other, and, you know, Parramatta will be out to make a statement, but I just think that the class of Penrith will be too strong and get them home, and I think that Parramatta's forward pack is going to be all out to stop Penrith because it's kind of next-man-up mentality, and they've just been getting their own way for far too long against opposition, and... You know, Parramatta got some big name forwards. They've got like the likes of Papa Lee who's one of the best, if not the best, second row in the competition over the last two years, Campbell Gillard and Paulo. But they've also got some bigger forwards that, you know, potentially could fatigue early under some, 
you know, relentless pressure by the Penrith Panthers, which we saw in the second half um, in that Cronulla game last weekend. The Cronulla Sharks just couldn't match Penrith for pace. And, you know, Penrith have got some bigger guys like James Fisher-Harris, but they also got some a lot of durable forwards that go in and do the hard work. And, you know, I'm not saying Parramatta don't, as the Madisons and the Papalihis of that club do a lot, get through a lot of work each week. But I just feel like Penrith are a more mobile forward pack. And I just don't know if Parramatta have it in them this week to match that intensity that Penrith's going to bring for 80 minutes. They're going to be in the game for, you know, 55 to 60 it's that other 20 minutes, the back end of both halves, that I think Parramatta could really be exposed and Penrith could score the majority of their points. So I'm going to go Penrith by 12 points. I think Parramatta is going to be in the game just like Cronulla. It's going to have a finals intensity to it. But at the end of the day, Penrith are going to be too classy for me on the back of another man of the match performance by Nathan Cleary. And it's time. That's right. It's time for my favorite time of the week. It's Super Saturday. The action this weekend kicks off at 3 p.m., when the struggling Gold Coast Titans face the Canberra Raiders from Seabus Super Stadium. Will the Titans' 10 faithful fans be there? Who knows? But uh, honestly, let's call it what it is. This year is a complete disaster for the Gold Coast Titans. Everything that can go wrong has gone wrong. I'm amazed that Justin Holbrook's job seems to still be secure. I know it's not just his fault, but obviously the players aren't believing the message that he's been um, giving them this year, and to really the player squad is just not first-grade quality. There's some guys that have a go every week. We talk about it every week on the show. The likes of Brimson, Firma, Big Tino, they're all putting in the effort. Big Mofot Awake is another one, but they just don't have the class to match up with most teams in the NRL, and some of these guys' futures have to be, you know, um, really questioned. And there is some positives for Gold Coast. I mean... Two weeks and weekends against the Broncos. They were really in that game before the Broncos scored one late and stole it away from the Titans, 16-12. Last week was very poor in the first half. They led in so many soft tries. The defensive efforts were awful. And, um, you know, players have to look themselves in the mirrors after that. But to the Titans' credit, and obviously we had the Kevin Proctor incident at halftime where he was vaping, which has led to his um, immediate sacking from the club. But... In the second half, to the Titans' credit, they came out, they had a little bit more energy, and they made a game of it before the Bulldogs closed it out. But let's be honest, the Bulldogs aren't exactly world beaters, and I don't think Gold Coast got anywhere near them, which is extremely disappointing. And it just shows you how long and how far away they are from being competitive outfit again in the NRL. I think it's going to take years to repair, and I think that it's important for Gold Coast and the whole club, the whole organisation, to get the right people in. And what you want... As a recruitment manager, is um, you know hard workers and, and, and players that are going to do the hard yards, uh, yards like McInnes and Finucan and how they've improved Cronulla's culture immensely this season. They need players like that to get out of this jam, and you know it's just so disappointing. Now the young Fafita played good for him, but overall it's just been a an awful, awful year. They're mostly a Raiders side that. They were pretty poor in the first half against the Warriors as well. The Warriors played pretty good football, expansive football, and found themselves a 14-point lead. But to the Raiders' credit, they came out and had a much better second half, just like the Titans did. But the difference is that the Raiders got the win. Um, Ricky Stewart, you know, I, I think tore a hamstring in celebrating. But the Raiders, you know, they came to play. They knew they needed to win that game. They got the two points. They're now on the same points as Manly. And, uh, and the Roosters, and I believe the Dragons as well. So um, a big game for them this week. They should be winning this game of football. I think they actually lost this encounter potentially early this year by memory. Um, 
So the onus is really on them to start the game better. But if you look at the teams on paper, the Raiders are just a classier and superior team than the Gold Coast Titans. And Warden and Fogarty have been combining well in the last few weeks. Their forward pack is starting to get a renewed confidence under the leadership of Papalihi and Tarvani. And they've got some exciting young talent coming through. Albert Hobawati has been biding his time for an opportunity. He got one last week and he definitely produced a good. Schiller's still out of action and Savage is showing some real glimpses of brilliant at fullback. He's just got to get more consistent there. But I think that the Raiders will win this game and I think they're real smoky to make the top eight. And if they do make the top eight, whoever they verse, if they somehow finish eighth at the end of this regular season and they verse someone like Parramatta, if they come fifth or, or Cronulla or South Sydney in that first week of the finals, then they could cause some damage and potentially you know, eliminate some teams that probably were expected to go a little bit better in 2022. So if the Raiders can get there, they're going to be a threat. They have to win this weekend. Based on what we've seen this year, you've got to give them, um, you know, the advantage in this game. And I expect the Raiders to be a bit too strong. I've got the Raiders by 16. I think the Titans will have a go, but the Raiders will be too strong at the end of the game. And one of the games of the round takes place at 5.30 on Saturday afternoon from Point Bet Stadium up there in Cronulla. The Cronulla Sharks host the South Sydney Rabbitohs. Both of these teams playing some good football lately. The Sharks really took it to the limit against the Penrith Panthers last weekend. They were winning the game in the first half. They really put the Panthers on the sword and, you know, they threw the football around. The, the late offloads and the second phase football really upset the Penrith side and we saw Cronulla Sharks close to their best in the first half. But as the game wore on, they started to get tired. They made some, you know, fundamental errors. They couldn't handle the ball as well as they did in the first half. And when you give Penrith Panthers opportunities, they'll take advantage. And they, you know, really had constant pressure against Cronulla in the second half and and took advantage when the game was on the line. And Cronulla um, couldn't really hang on, to be honest, to, to be fair and to give them credit. They hung on as long as they could, but Panthers were too classy at the end of the day. But this game shaping up to be a huge battle. It could have major ramifications to the top four because CF Sydney are on a four-game winning streak. They really struggled in the midpoint and the start of the season, but they've won four on the trot, on the trot since Latrell Mitchell came back from injury. Sure, they won some games against teams like the Knights and the uh, Bulldogs, but they've also got big ski-ups in their Eels and the Storm as of recent weeks as well, and they find themselves in sixth position. Cronulla are up there in the top four, so... Um, on 26 points, but CS are on 24, so it just shows you the importance of this game, and you know, CS have a, a tough run coming into the finals, Cronulla's a little bit softer, but um, this game should have that finals intensity, and should, you know, be a nice indicator to see where both clubs are in comparison to other teams that are around their position on the ladder, and I think that um, if we're going off confidence, South Sydney will be extremely confident in this game because they've already beaten the Storm five times ever before last weekend. They got a good win. They played really good for most of the game. I thought they let Melbourne back into the game after dominating the early changes, and that was a little dis- bit disappointing as a South Sydney fan. But overall, it was a very impressive performance. Latrell Mitchell was back to his best yet again. He um, was making things happen on the field. I thought Ilias... Probably played his most complete game of first grade to this point. He scored a very good try, but more impressive was his composure and his kicking game. Um, some of the towering um, kicks that he was putting in was just putting the Melbourne outside backs under immense pressure, the one, two, and five. And I just thought that, you know, the improvements that he's made in the last month of football since 
getting hooked in that Dragons game when the Rabbitohs were down 32 nil was really a credit to the young kid. And it shows you that, you know, he's going to persist and look for ways to improve his game as the year progresses and as we get into finals time. And I think that their big guns, having the likes of Cook and Murray back, really helped them as well. So, I mean, it sounds like building really nicely. Obviously, they know what it takes to get to the big dance they got there last year. And I think that they're full of confidence and full of running at the moment. And they're going to make um, it a very tough night for Cronulla up there at Points Bet Stadium. Cronulla, the, the thing about Cronulla for me is I don't know if they played a consistent 80-minute game of football all year. And as I mentioned, they were great in the first half last weekend. But it's got to be consistently better. And I don't know if they do have it in their game the forward battle, battle, as I mentioned, is going to be huge in this game. It looks like Fanukin's going to be suspended, even though he's been named in this game. So the onus is really going to be on the likes of, you know, the veteran Wade Graham, who hasn't had much football in his boots over the last few years. Nakora, Cameron McInnes, who will probably take Fanukin's um, spot in the starting team to get through a lot of work and really put some pressure on this big South Sydney forward pack and... You know, Nico Hines and Moylan, they've had a mixed bag of a season. Hines was in electric form at the start of the year, and he's kind of, he's been good, but he hasn't been as good um, in the last month or two. Moylan, you know, is full of confidence in the moment, but made a couple of wrong moves last week again against Penrith. So I expect the Sharks to be stronger, and I expect them to come out with a renewed new sense of confidence after they pushed Penrith last week, but... I think I'm going to have to give the advantage to Seahawks just from the confidence and the style of football they're playing at the moment. Um, I'm going to go to the Rabbitohs by six points, but I think it's going to be a really good game of football. It could be one of the week games, weekend's best games of football, and one of the best games of the season. And I wouldn't be surprised if Cronulla get the chocolates at the end of the day, but it'll be a good indicator for both clubs to see where they are in relation to being contenders in this final series and potentially, you know, getting a spot in the top four, and then making a really big run deep into the finals this season. And the final game of Super Saturday takes place at 7.35 from Suncourt Stadium when the Brisbane Broncos host the West Tigers. The Broncos are just getting better as time goes on. It was a good performance last weekend against Parramatta, and I actually tipped the Eels. I thought the Eels would come out fired up, but the Broncos continue to improve each week, and they've done it a lot of the time without their stars. Good to have the full contingency of their forward pack back last week. Payne Huss really um, added some momentum and some fire to that forward pack, but I feel like Kate Wells starting to get back to his best. Carrigan is just evolving his game to being, you know, a ball player as well as a player that's obviously capable of the hard work after his, you know, man of the serious performances in State of Origin. I just feel like the Broncos are really on the upward trend at the moment, and you know, they're, they're going to all lengths to try to secure that top four spot. So um, impressive what I've seen from them over the last month. I thought they might drop away as they get into some tougher games, but they've done the opposite. They've really rallied, and Ezra Mim and Adam Reynolds' combination just improves every week. So I'm impressed by what I'm seeing from the Broncos. They're versing a Tigers team that, you know, are the unluckiest team in sport at the moment. They were absolutely robbed on Sunday afternoon. They started the game off really promising, and the Cowboys got back in the game, but where they are in relation to the ladder and the turbulent year that they've had, um, I just think it was a really impressive performance. And to be able to rally late and score those late two tries shows you that there's some character at the club. And, you know, at a certain point, I was questioning if there was any left because, you know, we know that Brooks and, and Benji, uh, Bro- sorry, Brooks, Benji Marshall and Tim Sheen's going to get their hands in the club next year. And the future of guys like Brooks and, and Jackson Hastings and even guys like Dane Laurie, who's off contract at the end of the next year, 
is all in doubt at the club at the moment. And um, to see them respond to a performance like that under, you know, I think Brett Camorley was out due to COVID, but under his leadership and his assistant coach's leadership, it just shows you that the Tigers at their best can be a force and can be a threat to some of these um, teams that are expected to beat them for the rest of the season. So I expect um, they're going to rally again this week because they justly feel like they were robbed last weekend. But the way the Broncos are travelling, probably a little bit too much of an ask for them. But, you know, a lot of people, including myself, said that last weekend against the Cowboys. But really, the Cowboys only completed that game in the first half at 50%. I think they got up to 60 near the end of the game. But probably one of the worst performances the Cowboys have had all year. And the Tigers, to their credit, took advantage and scored some points and uh, tried their hearts out to get James Tarmo the winning game 300. But unfortunately, it was all for Norton. I, I expect they'll be up for it in the opening exchanges this week, but I feel like as the game progresses, the Broncos will get stronger, and I feel like, um, as I mentioned, they just, uh, they've just they got more to play for at the moment, the Broncos. You can start to feel that the culture that Kevin Walters has instilled in the club over the last two seasons is really starting to pay dividends, and I expect the Broncos will be uh, big winners in the weekend. I've got the Broncos by 22 points against the West Tigers. And the Sunday afternoon football kicks off at 2 p.m. from McDonald Jones Stadium when the Newcastle Knights host the Canterbury Bulldogs. Newcastle are going to be at Caelan Ponga for the rest of the season after another concussion. Unfortunately, they were um, not great last weekend against the Roosters. It was a big score near the end of the game, a bit of a blowout. The Knights scored a couple late tries, but obviously not where they want to be and they're also about fix given and Leah Thompson this week Tex Hoy will play fullback um, but overall it's, it's another disappointing performance for the Newcastle Knights who have had a season to forget they're playing a Canterbury Bulldogs side that you know at the start of the first half of the year they only won two games and then it's been a bit of a um, a revival under the interim coach Mick Potter. They're playing a really nice brand of football. It looks like Cameron Serrato has committed to the future of the club and will be the coach next season. But um, the likes of Burden and Josh Adokar really inspired the rest of the club. Jeremy Marshall King's playing some really good footy as a rake out of dummy half there. And um, some of their forwards have really lifted. I think that the efforts of Max King and Paul Vaughan have been impressive over the last few weeks. And the Bulldogs, you can just feel like their changes in the air. They're starting to play some really good football, and they're, um, you know, doing the small things right. They're completing well. Um, they're defending well. They're turning up for each other. And we saw it last Sunday against the Titans. It resulted in points, and a lot of them um, when they play their absolute best brand of football. And another favourable game for them this weekend. Obviously, Newcastle had a lot of problems this year, and you know, they, at their best, they've still got a good forward pack that can. Um, take it to the, the best forward packs in the competition with some, you know, stars of the, the game in in their prime, like Clemmer and, and Frizzell that, you know, might be a little bit past it now, but they can still contribute a fair bit on any given day. Safidi and Barnett, they've got a, as I mentioned on paper, the forward pack is good, but I just feel like Newcastle are at a bit of a crossroads at the moment. They don't know who they want to be as a club. They don't really have an identity. And Adam O'Brien... Um, He's searching for answers still, and I think the Bulldogs are playing a bit more confident brand of football, and I feel like it's going to pay dividends again this weekend. I've got the Bulldogs in this game by 18, and let's be honest, if you're going to miss one game of football this weekend, it might be this one, because really it will have no ramifications um, on the finals this season. And the final game of round 20 starts at 4.05 from the Stratus Jubilee Stadium up there in Cogra on Sunday afternoon. The Dragons host the North Queensland Cowboys, the Dragons are in must-win territory at the moment. I mean, they 
Got the goods against the weekend Manly outfit last weekend, and it was an important two points because they still find themselves 11th on the ladder for and against wise. They're um, you know, they're on 18 points, um, so they're on 20 points, just like um, just like the Raiders, the Manly Seagulls, and the Sydney Roosters. But they've got a minus 98 for and against, so they need to win as many games as they possibly can. And while it was good that they got the points last weekend, I still don't think they played a great brand of football. Obviously, Bent Hunt always tries to lead them on the back foot. I thought he was superb again last weekend. And um, this weekend, unfortunately, they were without the injury that they suffered halfway through the game in um, Cody Ramsey. He was really lighting and, you know, lighting the Dragons attack up. And so much improvement from fullback since he's been there this year. And um, I feel like it's a massive loss for the club. Now, they've named Jack Bird in the centres this weekend. Moses Zembai goes back to the fullback position. But it's going to be a tough ask because the Cowboys... You know, they've been the surprise package of 2022. They were probably at their worst point of the year last weekend against the Tigers. And let's be honest, the Tigers got robbed. Somehow they got the, the win. They got the two points. And Todd Pade will take and move on and try to get the Cowboys back to their best. It's looking like Ruben Cotter will line up for the first time since Origin 1, I believe, this weekend. And, um, you know, he's going to be a massive boost for the club. And unfortunately for the Dragons, I just don't see the Cowboys playing that bad again for the rest of the season. And... They know that they've got a lot of improvement in them. Obviously, it's a little bit harder for them to win away from Queensland Country Bank Stadium and the drag into a team that can ambush an opponent like we saw them do to South Sydney earlier this year. But And they're going to be desperate because, as I mentioned, they need to win. They need to win to stay in touch of the top eight. And if anything, that and Anthony Griffin should use that as motivation to light a, full, uh, light a fire under this forward pack that... Probably hasn't delivered as well as they should this year. The likes of Laurie and DeBellin and Billy Burns who started in the second row because Bird's been shifted out there to the centres. The onus is on them to really take it to the Cowboys at the moment because, as I mentioned, the Cowboys forward pack, the likes of uh, Leilua and Gilbert and Nanaitamalolo, Cotter's coming back into the fold this weekend. They've really just bullied teams, opposition sides this year and... Um, they really seem to get the momentum quickly, and that allows their outside backs, guys like Holmes and Dearden and Drinkwater, to really enter the game and, and stamp their authority on it. So the Dragons are going to have to be their absolute best if they're going to make a game of this. And, you know, I just, I'm not feeling like um, why they got the two points last weekend. I just, I'm not feeling like the Dragons have the roster. Um, to be able to compete with some of these good sides. And we saw it a fortnight, a fortnight ago against the Sydney Roosters that when the big games are on the line, I just don't know if the Dragons have what it takes to get over the line and you know be a finals contender and, and get over that line and sneak into the top eight for the rest of the year. So I'm going to go the Dra- uh, sorry, they're going to be the Cowboys uh, by 18 points. I think the Cow- Dragons will be out to make an impression, but the Cowboys will be too strong and you know too classy for a... Uh, a Dragons outfit that, apart from Ben Hunt, probably lacks a little bit of a little bit of firepower, and that pretty much mean the end of the Dragons' 22 finals um, chances, unfortunately. All right, guys, those are my tips for round 20 of the NRL Telstra Premiership. As I mentioned before, if you haven't, please like Steve's NRL Footy Tips on Facebook. It's the best way to stay notified. For all the latest updates on the future of the show, help me grow and expand it. We're almost up to a 1,000 likes, so... Everything you guys do to help grow the podcast, whether it's subscribing on the podcast feeds, really helps the show out. But just to recap my tips for round 20, I've gone the Roosters being too strong for the understrength Manly side on Thursday night. The Storm bouncing back against the Warriors on Friday and the Panthers, um, 
beating the only team they haven't beaten this year against the Parramatta Eels in the second game. Superstar today have gone the Raiders being too strong for the Titans. The Rabbitohs continuing their winning streak against the Cronulla Sharks and the Broncos being too strong for the West Tigers. The Sunday games have gone the Canterbury Bulldogs beating the Newcastle Knights and the Cowboys being too strong for the St. George Illawarra Dragons. I think we're starting to get to the, comp- the point of the competition where the e- games are getting easier to tip for the rest of the year. I know that upsets are still capable, but I just feel like we know the sides that are going to be competing in the finals almost, and we know the teams that are kind of just making up the numbers for the rest of the season. If you want a better the week, I think that uh, we keep it simple. I think you go the Melbourne Storm 13 plus against the New Zealand Warriors at $1.80. I think you can multi that in with uh, CF Sydney to win at $2.10. Um, Playing, paying a very good price, and that gives you around $4. So gamble responsibly. Those are my bets of the week, and that is Steve's NRL free tips for round 20. It's been a controversial week. I'm excited to get into some football this weekend and see teams start to hit form and start to hit their best form heading into the finals 2022, and I hope you guys enjoyed the podcast. Tell me um, if you got any feedback and how I can improve the show, and I'll see you guys next time on Steve's NRL footy tips. Enjoy your footy this weekend.